Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. It is Monday, and it's a beautiful Monday. It's the 14th of September, and we have a great show for you. We are joined by Fifth War Alderman Carl Franco today. Good morning, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Wow, All right. That's a lot of good for me. <laughs> All right. I want to say good morning to my co-host, Christine. Good morning. Hunter behind the boards and JV behind the camera. Good morning, team. All right, so we got a lot to talk to you guys about today, but we're going to condense this because we got a great interview with Mr. Franco. We're going to learn a lot about Ward 5 himself and uh, talk about times that we're in right now. So first things first, it's 57 degrees outside, slightly, slightly foggy. The temperature will be a high of 73. That should be happening around 2 o'clock p.m. today. Uh, I want to also say that the rest of this week will be in the 80s, be nice, sunny, Tuesday and Wednesday especially. All right. Aurora Mural will be welcoming Gateway to downtown. Aurora will soon have a new welcoming mural along West Galena Boulevard. All right. Local artist and muralist Josh Schultz was given the green light by both Aurora City Council and Aurora Downtown's board to begin work on a mural that's been in the works since fall 2019. Wow. On the rear of Tortas Guadalajara. That's Spanish, baby. I can roll those R's. As the mural sponsor, Aurora Downtown set the Aurora Mural will provide a large and colorful welcome sign and is a step to achieving one of the group's goals of improving and beautifying downtown gateways. Quote, as we work, as we continue to work with local artists, we will spend time as an organization to reflect on community concerns and improve our policies. We can always learn and improve as a group while pushing for a healthy and thriving downtown for all to enjoy. End quote. That's Kim Wooden, chair of Aurora Downtown. Shout out to Aurora Downtown and all artists. Call for Art, Sugar Skull City. We told you about this last week, and we posted the uh, great picture by Amy Nelson. Shout out to Amy Nelson uh, on our Facebook and Instagram page. Skull City is a month-long celebration in downtown Aurora that honors and celebrates the cultural and local tradition of Day of the Dead. To coincide with First Fridays and Day of the Dead activities on November 6th, Sugar Skull City promotion and activities will run from October 15th to November 15th. Artists, community members, youth, and families are invited to honor the Mexican tradition of Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos holiday by creating an unframed 12 by 18 work depicting a sugar skull, a Katrina. All right. It's for all ages, and again, that's going to be from October 15th to November 15th. All the details in regards to payment, sale, uh, selling, and display have been posted on our Facebook and Instagram page. We'll repost that to make sure that you guys get that information again. And big shout-out, Downtown Aurora Businesses Take on Hunger Action Month. September is Hunger Action Month, also known as Ham. Ham. That's right. <laughs> 
Green eggs and ham, baby. Ah. The month-long campaign brings <laughs> awareness to hunger in the community and offers ways for community members to contribute to both Aurora Interfaith Food Pantry and Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry. All right. Now, all the businesses taking place, Altiro Latin Fusion, Gary Brown Art and Studio, Gillerson's, La Quinta de los Reyes, McCarty Mills, Treadwell, and Society 57, and the Cotton Seed Creative Exchange, which we went live from last week on Friday. Friday, that's right. All right. Uh, donation boxes at Cotton Seed and Society 57, Treadwell's having Marie's Herbal Tea for the month, and McCarty Mills, 10% of sales from Reserved Keg, Brother Chimp, Beer of the Month is for the masses IPA. That is super awesome. And that's the news for the day. And now we're going to get into our interview with Mr. Carl Franco. All right. Good to see you, sir. Glad good to, to be see here. you. Thank Happy you for Monday. inviting me. Happy Monday. <laughs> Happy Monday. All right. And you already had your coffee. I did have my coffee. Okay. First thing in the morning. I can't even move until I have my coffee. <laughs> same. Same. Yeah. Same thing. All right. So um, for those who are unfamiliar with you and those tuning in listening, tell us who you are, where you're from. All right, so um, I grew. I was born in Chicago, okay. grew up in Berwyn. Um, I moved out to Aurora in 1983. I became an air traffic controller um, shortly after I graduated college. So um, I went to Oklahoma, became a controller, got assigned to the Aurora facility, the center in Aurora. So I didn't like that drive from Berwyn to Aurora. So I moved out here in 19, like I said, 1983. And I've been in. I was in Aurora, then went to North Aurora, and I came back to Aurora. Uh, raised my family on the west side of Aurora, where I'm, where I'm at now. Um, retired when I was 56, because it was mandatory retirement when you're a controller. So I was an air traffic controller for 32 years. Uh, and then I retired, I think it was March 31st, 2015. And one week later, I got uh, elected as alderman. So I went right from one type of work <laughs> to another type of work. And uh, and here I am, five and a half years later, I'm uh, sitting with you guys telling you about my story. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what's your educational Background. So I went to uh, Western Illinois University, okay. and I got a degree in law enforcement administration. <clears throat> I was planning, actually, when I uh, graduated college, I was working with a law firm downtown Chicago, mortgages, uh, foreclosures, bankruptcies, and stuff like that. I was going to go to law school, uh, and then in 1981, all the controllers went on strike, and then Ronald Reagan fired them all. So now Famous. there was this job creation Ooh. type of thing, and I, had, I didn't even know what an air traffic controller was. Um, but I was right downtown by the federal building where they gave the tests. So on my lunch breaks, I took the test to become a controller and did well. And uh, I told my boss, who really wanted me to come work there after I went to law school, he says, this is a pretty good job. He says, you can always come back here and go to law school, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> give this a shot. So I did, and it worked out well. You know, it was, uh, it was kind of my niche, kind of what my aptitude was set for, I, I believe. And uh, so I did that and never looked back. It's funny how those things work out. It yes, is funny it how is. Out. Yes. I mean, right. I literally did not know that anybody talked to airplanes. You know, I just thought they flew by themselves and nobody's watching them. But um, I learned a lot. <laughs> since In then. that case, you mentioned uh, of Ronald Reagan firing the air, air traffic controllers. That is a famous incident in American history. It was. It, it was It was a moment that defined where management versus labor was, what you could do, what you couldn't do. And, mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, you know, as I think back about it, you take an oath not to strike. You can't strike. And they did. So as I remember when I took that oath, and obviously it was after the fact, uh, you take it pretty seriously. I mean, that's your oath. That's that's your pledge. So they, um, there was a mistake made. And and, mm -hmm. and I get this, because I was in the union for 25 years after that. And I get where union leadership may drive the bus a little bit and you follow. But sometimes you got to push back a little bit and say, I can't do this. I have a family, the whole thing. It's illegal. 
I got to stay. So it, it was a it was a sad situation for those guys that lost their job. Obviously, an opportunity for twelve thousand people to come into the, sure. the system because that's how many controllers we lost. So, um, but it, it did mark how we look at unions and what you can do, what you can't do. And when somebody at the helm says no, you better start listening when they have the power. And that's kind of that was the, the situation that was created from that. Right. Yeah. Uh, growing up, what impact did your mom have in your life? My mom? Well, uh, my dad died when I was eight years old. He was uh, he died of a brain aneurysm. So my mom had a significant effect on my life because she was the only parent there raising my sister and myself. Neither one of us were model children. So she was working two jobs. You know, I had to go to work at an early age to help out with things. And uh, I just... She just basically her whole life was revolved around making sure that we had what we needed to get by. And I saw her work ethic and she had to go through the trials and tribulations. And uh, I, you know, I, I really didn't appreciate it until I became a parent myself. And looking back, I wish I had done things differently, certainly when I was growing up to make her life easier. But um, I mean, she was working. She's 87 now. She was working pretty much until she was 83 or 84. So her work ethic was a significant part of my life that everything is about who you are is how you do your job. And, you know, the work, what's involved with that, uh, it, it, that was pretty much, yeah, that was, it was a big part of my life. Yeah. That's great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I met your mom at your inauguration. Okay, yeah. And she's a little petite seat, woman. Petite woman, right. With the sparkly, would she have a hat? It was like a black sequin hat. Have, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Adorable. And She's I said, a fire plug. She is. <laughs> you know, Spitfire. You know, when we talk about truck drivers and how mm -hmm. they talk, yeah, my mom's right there. Yeah. And she, she grew up in that environment, so yeah. she doesn't mince words, and she tells it like it is, and uh, I appreciate that from her, too. But, you know, yeah. people that meet her say, wow, your mom is really, yeah, I know. I know. She's she, really so, she was so, so proud, and I, I just remember yeah. meeting her, yeah. and she was just talking, and yeah. just uh, the hat just struck me, and it was just like, I said, that's how I want to be when I'm her age. Just, you know, just kind of just, you know, be yourself. Yeah. Right. And she mm -hmm. is. And, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm assuming now that I'm a my parent and I got grandkids now is that you don't know what impact you have in your kid's life until you see it later on. And she may not have known, but I think she's very proud of the impact she's had on my life. And mm -hmm. I don't think she was as involved. She didn't go to Little League games. She didn't have time to all do all that stuff. Right. But I just think now she knows I was paying attention, you know, and that, so that's gratifying for both of us. I was paying attention. I probably didn't mature as much as I should have until I was in my <laughs> mid-20s, but, but, but I do appreciate that. And that's, I think that's fairly common for a lot of kids as they grow up. You don't really appreciate your parents until you get a little bit older and see what they go through on a day-to-day -day basis and, and dealing with you, how good or bad you are as a child. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It all makes sense when you're, when you're a parent. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned you're a grandparent. Is this a new grandbaby? Uh, it, I know you've so I have a 10-month-old grandson. Okay. And a granddaughter that's two months away. So they're going to be like, what do they call those Irish twins? They're going to be like a year apart. So I'll have the first two, yeah. Congrats. Um, yeah, so I'm, and, and they live in Geneva, so they're pretty close. So uh, I forgot what it's like to hold a little baby. It's so cool. I mean, I, just, I, mean I, I can't get enough of my grandson. Just hold them because it, the innocence, I love the innocence because, you know, at a certain time in life, we lose our innocence. Yep. But mm -hmm. when they're innocent, that's why I've always taught kids sports and stuff like that. I love being around kids because... They don't they don't push back yet. You know, when right. they get to be teenagers, you start pushing back. But the little kids, I, I just love it because they're still in you know, that blank slate that you can kind of mold and, and groom mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I really I do like the little kids. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. What are you seeing now as a grandparent with your children? 
well, I'm seeing the same things that I went through, you know. <laughs> so it's um, the same old. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're losing the sleep because, you know, when you get the little kids, um, the changing the diapers, like, oh, I got to do this. Things that they thought they would never do yep. or, or discussions we would never have. You know, now we talk about mortgages, I'm sorry, mortgages and prices of food and how do you, you know, where am I going to raise my kids? And school district said, yeah, dude, it, it, we went through that 30 years ago and you're going through it again. I'm assuming the next generation will go through it. So it's just the same old thing. It's like Groundhog Day. We go through it. It's, it's very cyclical. Circle. And um, yeah, I see the same things. It's fun. Yeah. And how did you get to be an alderman? What made you want to run for an alderman position? So um, my community involvement goes way back. Even when, before my kids were born, I saw an article in the paper that Aurora Baseball needed some Little League coaches. So I just said, I know baseball. Let's go. So I did that. And then one thing led to another. Then my kids got older to get in there. I became um, a board member for North Aurora Baseball on their, on their board for seven years. And then when the kids went to high school, I was on the um, Sports Boosters board for West Aurora High School. Uh, ran for school board. I was a park district trustee. So I had a lot of many, many years of community involvement. So this was kind of like the next step. And I remember the fall before I was elected, uh, the previous alderman, Whitey Peters, he called me up and says, I'm not going to run again. What do you think about running my spot? I said, wow, that sounds pretty good, actually, because when I'll run, when I'll be elected, if I, if I am elected, would coincide with my retirement. I said, this works out perfect. So it was it just kind of happenstance, but I was kind of set up for you know my whole life of being involved in the community, and I thought this was a good way to go to the next level. And I would have time because I was retired. So um, went through the election, and you know I, my name was out there pretty well. So it was a tough – the first election was kind of tough. We had a lot of people running. Um, but then I – you know, but as I went along – um, you know, I found I got basically more of a hunger to do it. You know, you think, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. But once you get involved with running and meeting people and listening to them, it's kind of nice to get that feedback from people, what they want. It says, I think I can, I think I can make a difference there. So as time went on, it, it, I got more enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I got elected, I was very happy, obviously. But uh, that's how I got going. And once I got in there, I'm like, man, I can make things happen now. I got, I got more things that I can make a decision on and affect people's lives than I ever could before. So. Right. I, I like that. You know, I like helping out people, but having, but being productive, really making a, a difference in people's lives. And the other places I could, but on a more focused basis with the baseball and the sports and stuff. But with being an alderman, you get the whole global thing. And that was kind of neat to be able to, a variety of different ways to help people out. And what does an alderman exactly do? What's the job description of an alderman? So the mission statement is basically you represent the people in your ward and the business in your ward. I mean, that, that's kind of what it is. Right. Um, deal with their needs via the city. Um, what perplexes people sometimes is that I represent you for the city. I don't represent you for the township, the state of Illinois, the federal <laughs> government, the school district, parents, the, the park district. I don't represent you for that. But I'm like the the go-to guy for all that. So I say, call this one, call that one. But, but, but for city services, that's kind of what I do. If you've got a problem with um, sidewalks not being um, repaired, People are speeding down your streets. Your your neighbor's a jerk. They're, you know, I mean, this, believe me, I get them all. Uh, the grass is too long over there. Um, different things like that. That's the day-to-day stuff that I get involved with, and I help address their problems or their concerns with the city. So um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, there's other things, and we'll sure. probably talk about that, but those yeah. are the day-to-day type of things that an alderman does. And what's your ward, the fifth ward? What, uh, what's the uh, boundaries of that? So the fifth ward is, is boundaried on the east side by Randall Road, okay. on the far west side to Sugar Grove, and that, that boundary is a little bit zigzag. To the north, pretty much 88, although we have a little bit north of 88, mm-hmm. and then south to Prairie, but we have a little bit south of Prairie. But those are the, those are the main things. Gotcha. So every ward, there's 10 wards. Every ward has about 20,000 people. 
Um, geographically, they're a little bit different. Um, my ward is a little bit bigger geographically than other wards, but the density isn't there. So they really look at the, when they do a ward um, redistricting, it's based on density. Sure. So you could have extra land, but you don't necessarily have extra people. Right. So if you're in the like in the third ward or something, your geographic area is a lot less, but you but you have more density. So there, that twenty thousand equates to my twenty thousand. So it really depends. Right. And and I guess after the census, they may redistrict again. Draw the maps again to make sure everybody's got equal amount because they don't want have somebody having thirty thousand constituents and somebody else having fifteen. So just trying to make sure it's equal. Right. Equal, yeah. And in those places where you have land, uh, as opposed to a lot of residents, that land and any developments developments on it in your ward, you are still privy to and would be doing I, right. I pretty much know about every square foot in my right. ward. Is not developed, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what it's going to be used for and what we want it to be used for. There's, there's right. different things. Yeah. Like, you know, like my ward, and it's just funny because my ward, people love the open space. There's a lot of open space. There's parks, there's golf courses, blackberries out there. Mm-hmm. We got ponds, all that stuff. But then they say, but Alderman Frank, we want more businesses. And, and all right, well, more businesses means we need more density. And we're going to fill up those open spaces. So, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword. Which way do you want to go here? I, I think right now we have a nice balance, but that's really what it amounts to. Gotcha. When you have more green space, you have less density right. of people. Uh-huh. Less density of people is less consumers. Less consumers meet, means it's less attractive for businesses to come. So how do you balance those two? And that's kind of what our conundrum is And you know, certain parts of the city, certainly on the west side. Um, and what's it like being a member of the city council? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. Um, we have a really good group of aldermen, uh, very passionate about their wards in the city. Um, you know, I, it's, it's different. Politics is different. You know, I, I look at people who could either be a politician or a public servant. I mean, I like to be known as a, a public servant because, mm-hmm. you know, politicians, I guess, theoretically have agendas. You know, I, and I, I would think a public servant does, too, but it's really one agenda. Your agenda is doing what's best for your constituents the greater good. Um, but so that's, that's sometimes, you know, you, you try to stay away from the politics part. But, sure. you know, but our interaction with the, the other aldermen in the city is, is really good. You know, I, when, I, when I hear people complain, and I'll go to the city staff about, you know, they're not doing this and that. These are really good people. They all, everybody's on the same page to move forward stuff. However, sometimes you may not like the decisions we make, and then we have to address that. But nevertheless, our goal is to do what's best for the community. Right. And I, I believe all the aldermen and, and the mayor and the staff are like that, too. But we do have different opinions how to get from point A to point B, you know, and, and every ward is different. So there, there's some of that. But the give and take, what I hear from other aldermen, from their ward, it makes me a better alderman. I think that makes them a better alderman, too, because we share different things that we go through. Right. And really is important because, you know, when I became an air traffic controller, I had three years— of training. I was in Oklahoma for three months, the whole thing. I became alderman. You hit the ground running. So there really is no training. You're learning on the job. Um, so that's a little bit different. So that's why the feedback between aldermen and, and looking what each other's doing is, is very important because we're always still learning because there's just no training program. So, right. you know, I've been training for five years. Hopefully I'm better now and I'll probably be better in seven years and 10 years, however long I go. So there's a lot of that involved too. Very cool. How would you describe Aurora, our strengths, um, our community? What makes well, us unique? Our strengths are our diversity. I mean, we are, you know, I, I, when I grew up in Berwyn, Oak Park was right next to us, and they were considered an all-American city because of their diversity with, on, on a variety of different fronts. And I think and Aurora is there, too. We have diversity in, in cultures and religions and schooling and ethnicities, um, and I think that makes us better. You know, one of the reasons when, when um, I got the job in Aurora to become a, um, an air traffic controller we could have lived really much anywhere we wanted to in the year. I just wanted to be fairly close, Batavia, Naperville, whatever. 
Uh, but my wife at the time said, let's go to the West Side of Aurora because our kids are going to grow up in a good environment, but they're going to have diversity. What they see in grade school and, and middle school and high school, they're going to see in real life. So let's prepare mm-hmm. them for that. So that was so I think that's one of our strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that we understand that we have this diversity because, you know, my ward's a little bit different than, let's say, something on the Near East Side and Near West Side. But we understand that. And I think part of it, too, and I think my ward exemplifies this pretty well, is that Aurora is different than a lot of towns because it's not transient. It's not a transient town necessarily. Right. Great grandparents, grandparents, parents, you know, the kids, they, they lived here, they grew up here, they may have moved away and came back, but it's very generational. And when you're a generational community, that means you you are about Aurora. You know, you're not like, yeah, I really don't care. It doesn't Mm -hmm. affect me. If something happens on the east side of town and you're in the west side, it affects you because you grew up in Aurora. And you know that the greater good, the whole city of Aurora doing well is good for everybody. And you you might have relatives over there. So I think that generational thing is very important in Aurora. And I don't see that in a lot of other communities. But Aurora is that. It's just a, a town that... That grew up together and they know everybody. It's just like a big, small town or a small, big town. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that's the beauty. That's what makes us stronger in addition to diversity, the generational type of uh, I, people that are here. Yeah, I, I think it does, too. Uh, Aurora is one of those places where people don't stay in their shell of the west side or the um, east side. People right. do care. When we go back to the uh, the hubbub and everything that was downtown with the looting and all that kind of stuff, I mean, people came from everywhere, mm-hmm. all artists and uh, folks to downtown, congregating downtown and clean it up. Right. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that you see. Well, yeah, so, you know, Aurora's been around since 1837. What's happening right now in the, in the course of history is a blip on the map. We'll get over this. The, the, the civil unrest will go away. We'll be back to where we were. But we, we have to weather the storms with that stuff. But we know as a town, we can, we can do that. Right. You know, we've seen a lot of things happen in our lives. And, and so this, we'll, we'll fight this battle. We'll get through it. We'll do what we can to, you know, make everybody feel comfortable with going forward what we're going to do but nevertheless this town is resilient enough to you know to deal with this all right interesting um so i want to talk about your experience as an air traffic controller okay one of the things that we had a guy on on by the name of joseph weber young guy friend of the show he's a photographer and he's an aspiring pilot uh one of the things that he mentioned was his learning about air traffic controllers in regards to him being a pilot and things like that? Uh, talk about the talk about the pressures and the and the, and the stresses. What it's what it's like. You're the first air traffic controller I've ever met in my life, and uh, to go some so what seems so seamlessly from that to being an alderman. Uh, explain what it's like in the life of an air traffic controller. Well, so yes, there is there is a lot of stress in the job now. I didn't feel as much stress as maybe some of my um, coworkers, okay. just just because of the makeup, you know, of, of what I am. It's like this is my challenge today, and every day is a challenge because you never see the same thing twice. Um, so I, I accepted that challenge. It's kind of neat because I accept that challenge every day. So you go to work, you're like, it's not mundane. It's like, what are we going to do today? And I, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the the, the pressure a little right. bit. It's like, hey, let's go. We're on we're on the spot right now. Um, but it was, you know, and you have moments that are worse than others. There's some moments that were kind of hairy moments. A lot of times you get that with an emergency situation with bad weather. You know, I was there for 9-11. I was, I talked to an airplane one time. I was the last person to talk to before they crashed. Small, I'm sorry, small airplane. These are pressure situations that, you know, resonate with you, you know, stay with you for a number of years. Um, but really a lot of what I thought was tough about the job is the shift work. I think people understand the shift work is a little bit different. You're working... Days, nights, evenings, uh, all night long. You're working Saturdays, Sundays. You're working holidays. 
uh, six day weeks, 10 hour days sometimes. So that was the family life is kind of affected. You know, when, when dad's working Sunday from three to 11 and he comes home at a min, off a midnight shift on Thursday morning, it's not the same every week. Right. So, so your sleep patterns are disrupted. It's, it's, that's kind of that, that wore on me more than the actual pressure of the job. Um, but it was a very good career, but it was very challenging. And, you know, I, I remember there were some people, it's kind of funny how that works. When I hired in, there were some extremely smart individuals, almost like road scholars. Mm-hmm. They could not do the job. There's some people I hired in that they, you know, signed their name with an X. You know, where did you come from? Yeah. But they were good controllers. Oh, yeah. Because they had the knack for it. So you really had a quite a diverse group of people there. But some of the smartest and sharpest people I ever met were controllers. It's just, just the way their brain worked. And so I really appreciate that. But it was, it was, you know, it was pretty intense. I mean, there was moments, you know, when, when you're, like I said, when you're the last person to talk to an airplane before it crashes, those are tough situations. Not everybody deals with that. But, I mean, those things come along. I mean, they, and you got to be prepared to, to deal with it emotionally and, you know, the whole way. So, right. Yeah. The time is now 8.31 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we are joined by Ward 5 Alderman Carl Franco. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to ask, which is a, uh, one of the questions that we got is what is the craziest email you ever received? Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, um, well, I, I just told you about when Without I got being, yesterday, you know, being nice yeah, about I mean, it, yeah. I'm, when I got yesterday. So I'll go to the most recent ones. Cause believe me, I think I've already have a book written if I want to write one about crazy emails. But yesterday, somebody sent me an email and says, Alderman Franco, I heard you're supporting a slaughterhouse going in all, into the old cosmopolitan marketplace. All right, well, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I had an email once from a lady that said, hey, can you come and clean my gutters? Because I heard that's what aldermen do. Uh, no, I don't do that. Um, it's just there's a lot of different things. I mean, there's, there's just so <laughs> clean many. My gutters. I, yeah, I mean, you know, because, and seriously, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of them, I get some of the senior citizens um, they don't understand what we do and what we don't do. And then some of them are just getting older and they need to call you up and they talk about things. They're just all off the wall, but it's almost like I'm talking to my mom. They want to talk to somebody, get something off their chest and they feel good about it. 30 minutes later, I've said nothing and they say, thank you for helping me out. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, but the, there's a variety of craziness out there. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, now let's talk a little bit of business down. So I'm thinking, uh, I want to visualize for the folks. So we go down Galena, up there, down uh, where they sold this before Orchard, mm-hmm. I think. West um, Plaza? Yes. Uh, what's coming there? Do we have anything that's that's going to be uh, on the horizon that well, we can talk I about? Well, I brought my cheat sheets. All so, right. There we go. Check um, it out. Because I don't want to <laughs> miss anything. I just Because there's actually there's a lot of little things happening right now. Okay. I'm all up to date. All right. So in, in West Plaza, um, so the, the, the one I'm hoping, <clears throat> excuse me, that opens up, fairly soon is called mega fun park mega fun park is going into the old hobby lobby which is in west plaza um they've been working on it for over a year now people are getting a little bit antsy now the COVID thing slowed things up but what it's going to be it's going to be a a family entertainment uh facility which is going to have trampolines um basketball bowling um rope climbing rock climbing indoor go-karts electric go-karts it's going to have like 20 different things for kids to do party areas eating area that's going to be a big thing for the West Side of Aurora. It's kind of something we really need to have out there. It's high, it's, everything is high-tech. I, I was in there the other day, and they're doing work on it slowly. Um, but everything is is really kind of cool. You know, you walk in, you see all the colors and, and the things for the kids to do. So we're, we're hoping that opens up, you know, I'm hoping next spring. But the other thing is, too, even if it was ready to go now, you know, with COVID, it's not like they're going to be able to open up. So that's 
That's been on the horizon for about a year and a half now, so that's a big deal coming there. Um, we have an empty building out there. You may be familiar with the old Walmart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one because it's so big. What do you do with stuff like that? Right. And really, when I when I go into this about empty buildings, this is a nationwide type of thing. There's a lot of strip malls and malls that have empty buildings. And going forward, because retail and Internet sales have affected everything, how do you repurpose these buildings? What is going to be the fit for now and in the future? Because retail, not so much anymore. You're not going to get a department store. You're not going to get things that used to have conventional stuff. Right. So how do you repurpose these things? It's going to be more service industry. Maybe more food entertainment because you can't, you know, really get that online necessarily. Uh, like you can buy things online. So I, I'm hoping something comes out of that, but really nothing with that yet. Um, then across the street from West, that's, that's basically West Plaza. There's some other shops sure. in there. And I have an office over there too. Um, across the street, um, there was the old Cub Foods, which is on Constitution, which just Throwback. got bought. Uh, <laughs> Throwback. Foods. Yeah. Cub Foods. Cub Foods. And I love Cub Foods. Yeah. <laughs> right. I really wish that the, the Jewel, when Cub Foods moved out, the Jewel would have moved over there. It's a nice bigger building and whole thing, but yeah. that's another story. What? That's another two hours of talk here. Is Cub Foods the one with like the first grocery store that had a bank inside? <gasps> I think it was TCF Bank. I don't the, know. Uh, I remember. I think I just remember thinking that was just so convenient. Yeah, but I their fresh salsa was outstanding. I remember going yeah. there for that. So, <laughs> we so right, so, right. So, so going in there is going to be a, a place called Lindsay Windows. So it's a light manufacturing company of designer windows. So okay. they're going to be going in there. St. Paul's Churches is right next door that owned that. So they've had it for like 13 years. They really hadn't done much with it. So the beauty about Lindsay Windows going in there, and it'll be a boom for the area. It's not, it's, it's not like retail as much, but it's it'll be back in the tax rolls. Right, and that's kind of what's important when you when people don't understand when you put something in a building, they're not we're not getting the taxes we would like to get out of there, especially when it's owned by a church or a school because they pay zero taxes. So we're going to get this back on the tax rolls, so that'll be good for the area. Anytime you bring a business in like that, it's more foot traffic for the other local businesses there for the employees that work there. So that'll be a good thing. And then by AC's Pub, which we were talking about before, right next to them is a dog grooming place, Wolf Beach. Yes. They just moved in their dog grooming and training. So that's fairly new, too. So um, we still have to fill up the old Aldi that was there. We still have to fill up the old Walmart. But we're moving along pretty well. And especially during COVID, I think we've done a pretty good job of filling up things that you may not have thought people were going to go into right mm-hmm. now just because of the timing of, of the stuff. Um, so that area is moving along. Okay. You know, I really wish it would go faster, but it's it's tough. It really is tough. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. what other types of businesses would you like to attract other than, I mean, any business at this so, point is now good, but what would so you like Investor to see coming? So okay. did a, uh, a survey for us about three years ago and what people like to see on the West Side. And I remember the top ones were a grocery store because they really weren't happy with the jewel. Uh, and then the Aldi actually got bigger and better, but that was before that came out. Um, entertainment, whether it be a movie theater, bowling alley, higher-end restaurants. You know, if you look at, at Orchard Road, even some on Galena, we have a lot, of, a lot of restaurants, but they're like Chili's and Buffalo Wild Wings and Panera's and stuff like that, which is all, are all excellent. But we don't have any nice sit-down restaurants, right. nice white linen type of restaurants, which I've been working on for a while, and I— I'm not going to step down from this job until I get an Italian restaurant on the West Side. I'll say that now. I've said that for five years. Italian gonna, restaurant on the West Side. We're going to tie into that. I'm feeling I that. But, but, but nevertheless, we want a nicer restaurant out there. So these are some of the things that mm-hmm. they said they wanted, which being a member of the community, I kind of knew. I just, you know, when you live there for a while, yes, this is kind of what we wanted, right? So that's not a surprise. So that's what we're trying to get on the West Side. And frankly, you know, there's, there's three pieces to the puzzle for attracting business. You have to have 
density means you have to have consumers in that era of a, a variety, not saying a variety, but volume of consumers to spend money. Then you need the disposable income from those people, mm-hmm. which I believe we have in the West Side. And then you need like an Orchard Road where there's a lot of traffic. So people driving up Orchard Road, they will create the the necessity to have places there because people are going to stop. Right. So we have two to three. We have the, the traffic and we have the um, disposable income. income, but we don't have the density that I think some people want. So we need to, we have some open space in the west side. We talked about before, green space. that are zone residential, so we need to fill those up to get more to attract people. Because that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at, we can send them um, information about that stuff, but they're doing their all you know, research and stuff like that, too. And they say, you know, you need 5 more percent or 10 more percent of consumers, or they'll draw a ring around where they're going to do a five-minute driving time as X amount of people, whatever, and they will make their decisions based on that. So I think we have to shore that up a little bit more to attract more businesses. Hmm. Interesting. Um, now, here's the, here's the thing, and this is going to tie into the Italian restaurant, okay? I heard you speak about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. want to talk about that. Um, many friends of mine and many other places I've read high and low are talking about the need. We need affordable housing in Aurora. We don't have enough affordable housing. Where the heck is the affordable housing for the people of Aurora? There is this service being done because there's no affordable housing. Talk about affordable housing in regards to attracting business. Well, um, First of all, we have more affordable housing than probably any other community in the area. There's okay. no question. I mean, by a lot. So I don't, I don't even know where that comes from. Um, I really don't. I mean, I, it's, it's shocking to me because we have affordable housing right. in a variety of areas in the city, in the west side, east side, in the middle. Um, but affordable housing, I mean, so you're a business owner. and you're, you, All right, so you're a Trader Joe's. We would like to get a Trader Joe's coming out there. And you see the average income from affordable housing occupants is $40,000 a year. And you go to Batavia, and there is $80,000 a year. Now, Trader Joe's, and I'm just using this as an example, is a little bit sure. more higher-end, especially type of store. Sure. So where are you going to go? You're going to go where the people have more money to spend because most people that don't have the money, they're going to shop at Aldi versus at Trader Joe's. Right. So for us to attract that type of thing, we're going to need more disposable income, higher incomes, and affordable housing does not lend to that necessarily. Right. Nobody, nobody's living in affordable housing that's making $100,000 a year. Right. So that's, that's how I equate this. If... The people on the west side want certain things, and Trader Joe's has come up as, as Costco's and other things. Um, but if you have affordable housing and you're a business owner, I'm like, I'm just looking at what your income is. I really right. don't care if you live in affordable housing, but the people that live there, their income is going to be a certain level that may not lend itself to spending the extra money at a Trader Joe's or something else. When I heard you talk about it on a podcast, on an interview, it made sense to me now you were talking about it longer than we just did with this one particular question here but uh i think that that is something that's one of those things that people need to understand and look at from the relevant perspectives business Mm -hmm. attracting business they need to look at it with that kind of impression as opposed to simply uh being an angst because of a perceived lack of affordable housing you mentioned on that episode that we have we have a lot we have oh, a lot. affordable housing. Right. I mean, I, I think we compared ourselves, and I always want to compare ourselves in Naperville, but people do. So sure. I think we have maybe seven, eight times more affordable housing than they do. So so when we talk about, you know, affordable housing, and I believe me, I want I want affordable housing for everybody. I want homeless to have places to go. But I think Aurora has done way more than every other 
area around us. So I, I almost think when you talk affordable housing, you don't talk Aurora, you talk regional. We need a regional plan. Aurora's done their part. What is Batavia, Oswego, Naperville, and everybody else doing as a region? You said that too. Yeah. I, I just think, I think we're all in this together. Because if you're going to have an area, one city that has just all the affordable housing, then you're not going to get the types of business in that area. You're going to have businesses, but they're going to be businesses that accommodate that economic type of situation. Right. I think we're a big enough city that we can accommodate all economic situations. And that's why affordable housing, great. Certain incomes are great, but we need more so we can get other things. And we can have that balance. It really is a balance. And I, I think we have to understand that we need both. And how do we achieve both? And where are we at? Where are we at in the higher-end stores versus the lower-end stores? Right. I'm not going to say low, Aldi's a lower-end store, but wouldn't it be nice to have an Aldi and a Trader Joe's in your community? Right. We could do both. Yeah. So I, I think that's what we need to look at. And, and all that stuff needs to be data-driven, and then we have to educate the people who have angst, as you said with that, why we're doing this and where we're really at compared to others. Okay. I'm going to go to Facebook because this was um, a recent controversial topic. So people want to know, why did you vote for the riot gear? Okay. Your, well, your reasoning behind this. All right, well, there's two things. I, I guess riot gear is okay to say, but we're trying to say personal <laughs> I protective read the, read equipment. The question. Right? Uh, <laughs> well, because <laughs> that's that's a great question. So there's there's a couple things going on there. I think the angst was initially is that why are we buying personal protective equipment when we need when we've been asking for body cams? Great question. Um, we've been working on body cams for a couple of years, but mm-hmm. we're taking it slowly because we you know until this thing came out in the in the spring. It, there was an urgency, so uh, we we put it on the fast track. But those two situations, for somehow some reason, were tied together, and I just I never really understood where. All right, we're going to do the body cams. We we said we were, and we're going to expedite it. But then this this personal protective equipment. Why why are we holding one hostage for the other? So I never really got that. So that was part of the conversation. That was part of the problem as far as getting us across the people. We can do both, and we're going to do both. So I, But I separate them because at the end of the day, and, and to me it's very simple. I'm a law enforcement administration major, so I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased. But how do you not equip those to protect themselves who you're asked to, to protect you? I mean, I, I just doesn't I just, it just seems shameful that we wouldn't protect them because we're asking them to protect us. How do, how do, you, how do you reconcile that? I, I just I never really had a problem with that. Do what you can for us, but I'm really not going to give you that extra stuff you need to protect me. That's just wrong. And when you see police in this day and age, and we can, we can go back to Pratt and later on, these guys do a great job, and they put themselves in harm's way. And this is their job to do that. So, you know, I, I knew what it was like to work under pressure in my job. I wasn't really physically, you know, intimidated by anything when my job as a police officer could be or deal with every day. But there was a lot of pressure. So mm-hmm. you need to give those people who are safety people, public safety people, the the resources to do their job and protect themselves. Because, frankly, what will happen, if the police can't protect themselves, then they're not going to engage. And if they don't engage, now we're going down the wrong rabbit hole. And that's a problem. And I, it's just human nature. If I can't protect myself, then how am I going to protect you? And people talk about um, de-escalating. That's a big thing. Well, I'm a police officer, and I got body gear on. I got this all this stuff on. You throw a rock at me, it bounces off. I don't care. I'm going to continue de-escalate. I'm just going to stand there and hold the line. I don't have this body stuff on, this protective equipment on, and somebody throws a rocket, hits me in the head. We're not, we're not, dis, we're not going to disengage. We're going to, we're going to engage now, as as part as opposed to the other way. So, sure. I don't understand how that wouldn't be helpful to be able to absorb more punishment because you have this gear and continue to escalate the situation. So that was always a strange one for me too. How it didn't make any sense not not to have that. So, 
Um, I just felt we need to protect our police officers. And I, but I, def- I definitely differentiate between the two. We're right. going to do both, and we can do both. And I think that was the communication problem we had with the, the citizens, that we can do both and we will. And I understand the angst on the other side because they've been asking for it for a while. But I don't think you can't, you know, if you order both at the same time and one comes in before the other, then it does. You know, it is. That's all yeah. it is. Um, here's the thing. As a Navy veteran, I'm very familiar with decisions taking place that I don't like in them still taking place. That's the nature of the world. Mm-hmm. If that's going to sink your boat, don't be a sailor. Um, but the optics, the optics, the, 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 you had the hubbub. Things seem to be, for lack of a better term, going away. There was really no... The ride gear made it seem like we're preparing for X, Y, Z. I've never been in a command position in any police department or in the administration. But I think if I got the issues coming across the desk of what's going to be announced, would I want to wait on that one for another week? Maybe backpedal that one the optics can you see how the optics didn't look good yes i i i I fully agree with that maybe we could have done a better job of explaining the two in conjunction with each other they were not related but that's so what we did is we we started explaining the timing of the body cams in detail and once we did that it was much better that this is this is where we're at this is where we're ordering we're going to do this this is how long it takes had we done that initially we wouldn't have made everybody happy, but it would have been more palatable. Sure. For, and so, so you're right. The optics and how we put it out, maybe we could have done a better job getting in front of it. But at the end of the day, when you're talking safety equipment, you're not going to hijack people's safety because you, the optics were bad here. It's a problem. But if we're talking something else, if we're talking an enhancement of some sort, okay. But when you're talking safety, and, I, and you know, they talk about you may not need these for 10 years. We don't use them that often. Well, there's two things. Uh, government... And, I, and I've been in the government 32 years, so I, I know this for a fact. You have to be prepared for anything in the government. You have to be prepared for 9-11. You have to be prepared for a pandemic. You have to be prepared for when I was at my facility, um, when a guy comes in and lights the facility on fire and takes down the, the, the center of the country in air traffic control. You have to be prepared for all this. So when you say you're not going to use this stuff maybe for 10 years, you still have to have it. For that one instance, this is what the government does. So, so I, sure. you know, that argument didn't really fly with me because you have to be. Because if something happens and you're not prepared, they're going to say, why weren't you prepared? Why didn't you foresee this? Yeah. Well, so you have, so, so when you're talking safety equipment, that's a, different, that's a different animal than some other stuff. So it was tough on the optics, but I think you had to do that. And it was, it was on us to explain how that was, why we're doing it and how it's going to roll out. And so I, we take responsibility for the messaging, but we still had to do it. After, appreciate that. Yeah. Ooh, we no, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. No, here's so, a, yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say is that, yes, yeah, so you, you hope you never have to use this. But as the second largest city, we have to kind of think like anything can happen and be ready well, for well, it. Well, you do. And, and, you know, think about it. I mean, think about the things that happened in our lifetime. You said, that's never going to happen. Or what's the chances of that? Happen? And they do happen. We've seen Famous things. I've words. seen things in my 60 years that I said, holy smokes, uh-huh. that's unbelievable. A once in a hundred year pandemic here. You know, I mean, stuff like yep. that. You just, so you got to get ahead of it because that's, if you want government for anything, you need them for crisis. That's what government does well, the deal with crisis. So whether it be local municipalities or federal government, this is what we do. This is what the people expect us to do. I'm not just a comment reader. 
I listen and I've heard you. Like I said, I heard you on that episode once before. I got a chance to speak to you at Mora's one evening. I know for a fact that you are not a person who does not take the views of your constituents seriously. Uh, and in speaking on this whole uh, the the ragger issue, less on the protective. whole mural thing, the protective uh, PPE thing, I know that you're a person who understands your constituents and tries to do the best thing. And again, that's why I brought up the optics thing. It really just hurt my heart personally, but I don't have to make those calls, that such a ham-handed at the moment, that was just the worst thing about it. Your vote on it speaks volumes, and everybody's vote speaks mm-hmm. volumes. And I know the kind of individual you are, and that's why we— that's. That was the thing about it. Right. It was just the it was just the optics. But you got to make those decisions, and you, tough decisions have to be made. There, there are tough decisions, but but you know, fortunately, I I fell all along. It really comes down to is that there was not one or the other, and I think people put in that in that boat one or the other, but it really wasn't. And I would say we we're going to do both, and you know, there's a cost to doing both. There's a cost to body cams, but you know what? It's better for everybody, and this is what we have to pay. I mean, certain things you have to pay for. And if we have to cut back somewhere else, so be it. And the other thing with that, too, is that what people don't understand is you just can't take the money that you're going to use for uh, personal protective equipment and do it, put in social programs because it's money allocated is allocated for, for only certain types of uses. It would be illegal. So, well, it would be illegal. Uh-huh. So, so I mean, there's that, too. And people don't understand why can't we do it for this? Well, we can do that, but it has to come up with another fund. So there, there is all that. And I understand it's very... It's very complicated, complex, but that's kind of how things roll, too. It's not like I, I just have this pot of money. I could take it for anything I want. Everything is earmarked for certain types of things, whether it be capital projects, equipment, programs, and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, the time is now 8.51 a.m. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we're joined by Alderman Franco. All right. So, uh, before, well, I'd, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about food. So uh, I need to get you on the record of uh, <laughs> of places to go and eat in Aurora. Well, all right. So um, let's start with downtown. Yeah, so I, I kind of explained before on the west side, we, we have, you know, the Chili's and the Buffalo Wildings, huh. AC's Pub, Mother's, all good places. When we look at downtown Aurora, because this is what's really happening right now, more vibrant places, Mora, uh, Mora on the River, huh. outstanding. Um, their deal is, and they, I'll tell you what, they got a great spot right there. They're right by the Paramount. They're right on Water Street. The river's on the other side. Um, their gig is, um, right now, this outside only, um, Asian Fusion, Italian Tapas. Here's a funny story. So two years ago, they come in, city council, and they said, hey, we're going to open this restaurant. They give the presentation to all the aldermen. We're going to do Asian Fusion, and we're going to do Italian Tapas. And as soon as they said the word Italian Tapas, I said, well, time out. I said, I'm Italian. What does that even mean? Small, yeah. What small plates? I mean, because no, I said, no you were an Italian thing. restaurant. You're bringing food home. It's yeah. all it's a lot. Grandmas don't make, big, I, I, no, grandmas don't make small no, plates. I said, what does that mean? Is that like a half a meatball sandwich? I said, I don't even know what that means. So it was kind of funny at the time. Yeah. But then I had some of the Italian Tapas. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of this is pretty good. It's, right. it's a little bit different. So they have that going on there, and um, so their their thing is they're going to open up, I think, inside in December, and they'll have the Asian fusion on the first floor. Then the second floor is going to be Italian tapas restaurant. Mm-hmm. 
The top floor is going to be uh, a sky bar, open on uh, top of the roof, t- rooftop type of thing, yeah. open windows. And then the basement, they're going to have a speakeasy, and I think it's going to be steaks and stuff like that. So that's pretty. That's a pretty neat concept. Uh, then you get Altiro opening up on the other side of the Paramount. Mm-hmm. Stoke Island Social, who's closed down because the Paramount's closed, but they were outstanding steak place. Um, and a couple other places down there that are you know, just starting to pop. Unfortunately, with COVID, a lot of stuff has been put on hold. But my expectation is next summer, assuming everything works itself out, when when uh, River Edge Park opens up and, and uh, Paramount opens up and these restaurants start to really go, it's going to be a very vibrant cuisine type of area downtown Aurora. There's going to be a lot of interesting restaurants, unusual kind of cool restaurants that are going to take people who typically went from Aurora to Naperville or Geneva or Batavia, they're going to stay home because they have it here now. Yeah. And, they, and people, yeah. I'll tell you, people in Aurora, they want to spend their money in Aurora. We just got to give them reason to to spend their money here. Yeah. So I think those restaurants yeah. I just mentioned, that will go a long way into that. Um, so, yeah, and Gillerson's Grubbery is down there. I mean, we got a lot of pretty cool places. We're going to start getting more people down there, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. But as I said before, I still want the Italian restaurant on the west side of Aurora. And I've gone to, believe me, I, I've gone to everybody. I went to Maggiano's and, and um, uh, what's the one in um, St. Charles? Zaza and uh, Francesca's okay. and... and um, some of these other places, I call like a bunch of them. They just haven't migrated out here yet, but I'm still working on yet. it. Yet. 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 Well, I mean, we don't really have an Italian restaurant in Save Aurora. And I, I keep telling people, and some people argue with me, but 200,000 people, you find a city in the, in the country that has 200,000 people, you're going to find a couple of Italian restaurants. We have none. Mm-hmm. And we have no movie theaters physically in the city Correct. limits. This is crazy stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, not they're in the city Aurora. limits. It's... They're on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. They're in Montgomery and North Aurora, but they're not in Aurora. How does that happen? Oh, that's Tinseltown yeah. to North Aurora. Yes, North Aurora. Yeah. Holy cow. Right. I didn't so, know. I mean, it's close enough. I think things are on the perimeter close enough, but why don't we have them here? So, I'm, I'm just, you know, you go to Berwyn or Chicago, you know, you find Italian restaurant on every corner. Oh, yeah, you we got them. <laughs> I tell you, people out here eat Italian food, so come on, let's bring it on. So, yeah. that's that's my biggest goal, getting Shout Italian restaurant. Shout out to restaurant. the UIC yeah. area in Chicago right there. Boy, you find Taylor Street, oh, all that. Well, I, well, I was born in Bridgeport, so that's it's a stone's throw away. So, I, yeah. I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to walk to an Italian restaurant in the west side. I want to smell garlic. I want Frank Sinatra music in the background. And I want somebody in the back cooking whose name is Mama. Mama. That's what I want. Now you're in Italian restaurant. So that's, that's what I, my goal is. That's what I want to see. So we're, that's a project I got. And I almost had a couple. Uh, we almost had Bo and the Beef coming out here into the old Cosmopolitan. They're going to bring their corporate headquarters. They're going to bring everything out here. Um, processing, uh, catering, the whole thing. And then they were going to build a couple outlots, which still may happen. One was probably going to be a bonus franchise, which still could come, you know, come about. And then I thought the other one would be an Italian restaurant because they know everybody. So that was my goal for that. That's kind of falling through with them going to Cosmo. Um, we have somebody else going in there, which I'll announce in about a week. I can't announce it yet because in about oh, a week. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just wetting the appetite right now. All right. Um, but I'm still trying to get that come out here. So we're, you know, we're working on that. Yeah. 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 Kind of jumping around. So we've talked about the west side. What strengths do you think the east side of Aurora brings? Well, so you have the Near East Side and the Far East Side. The Far East Side is very similar to the West Side. Mm-hmm. You know, similar type of um, economics, similar type of um, ethnicities type of thing. So that's West Side, East Side, pretty close. I think the difference with the East Side is that they're more, and I don't like to use the word transient, but they're not as old Aurora as, as the West Side. Mm-hmm. Um, but the East Side, like the Near East Side, is being redeveloped. And I'll tell you, uh, my, my mother-in-law who passed away recently, she lived on the Near East Side of Aurora. Beautiful old homes there. So I think there's starting to become a regentrification mm-hmm. of, of the homes there because they're just beautiful old homes. 
And, you know, with the Copley project that's going on, the old Copley Hospital going up there, um, coming down there, and they're going to build the different facilities there for the school district and um, some other stuff, that's going to be revitalized east side. I think we're moving towards that because, really, as part of the city goes, the whole city goes. So I think that the east side, near east side, is being redeveloped. I think the far east side always does very well because they're right Route 59, get a lot of shops. Economic development is pretty Oak easy Hurst out there. Area, Oak Hurst area, yeah. right? Uh, Stonebridge area, right? They they're they take care of themselves. Um, so I, I think this is near east side we're working on right now, but I think that's very important. We've done a lot of we just expand some of our historic credit zones to encompass some of the east side, so that right. people will get tax breaks if they start to build there and bring businesses there. So we're making it more incentivized to do that. So I think going forward, that's a that's a boom for us too, because all these districts. Um, when they do well, like a school district 131 does well, the school district 129, the west side does well. Everybody feeds off everybody else. So I think we're moving into that, that we understand that everybody, we, what is it, what's the rising tide lifts all boats? Yep. Is that the site? So that's kind of what, what I'm looking at for bringing up the, the near east side. Mm-hmm. But as I said, the far east side kind of takes care of itself, very similar to the west side. You're always looking for economic development, but as things go, pretty good. They're pretty, they're doing pretty well right now. Um, before we go, I got a question I want to ask you. What is America to you? Oh, it's a good question. Um, it's land of opportunity. You know, um, I, you know, we all have an op- I would like to think we all have an opportunity to do what we want to do when we grow up. You know, I grew up, um, you know, in this, in this time where we're at right now, I didn't have to face any color barriers, but I did, I did come from a poor family, had to work my whole life. How was I going to make it? You know, I had the opportunity to become a lawyer. I had an opportunity to become an air traffic controller. Um, my kids had opportunities. So I think part of that is the opportunity to, to, to do something in life, to have, to, to have a career, to have a family. You know, maybe it's not, like, like I said right now, maybe it's not as fair as it should be, but we're working on that. Um, but I think we've identified that this is something we need to work on, but I think it's still the land of opportunity. And until last four years, we embraced diversity. We <laughs> we're going through, and I want to get political, but we've gone through, we're going through a bad four years right now where mm-hmm. diversity is a four-letter word. Seriously. Diversity, we're built on diversity. We're built on immigration. We're built on the Statue of Liberty. So we got to get that mindset back that this is not a bad thing. You embrace it. You embrace the other cultures. You embrace what they bring to the table. And when we get back there, and I'm hoping we will in, within the next year, then it makes it better again. And we got you know, we can heal some things. But I think we're, we have to look inside ourselves right now as Americans and say, who are we? Because I think at a certain point in time, you know, first of all, we're human beings. Right. Number one, we're human beings. We all have that in common. Yep. And then for us, number two, we're Americans. We're not Republicans and Democrats and Catholics and Protestants. First, we are Americans. Right. And when you understand, if you look at it like that, human beings and Americans, then we could do better and get back to where we used to be. And I think we were always trending in the right direction. There's a little bit of a speed bump before your speed bump, but I think going forward we'll get over that and get back to where we were. Right. So I so I think that's kind of who we are and where we need to get need to get back to. The time is now nine o'clock a.m. and I just realized something that even though you're listening to the second largest city's first daily news podcast, we need a part two. Shit, we need a part two. We got to have a part two. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on a part two. All right. We like like a Game of Thrones thing. With the, the, Sequels? Tell me when the dragons come out. Um, so the show ends on a positive note. What's your message for the people of Aurora today, Monday, going into the week? Going into the week? Yep. Well, um, going into the week is I, I would tell people that um, whether you believe it or not, we all listen. 
We all pay attention to your concerns. Uh, we do the best we can. But at the end of the day, your concern may conflict with somebody else's concern. But we, we listen to both and we try to accommodate and compromise for everybody to make everybody's life better. I mean, that's really our goal and enhance everybody's life. We do the best we can. Uh, and I think we actually do as a city. I think we really do a pretty good job. Um, so we're going to continue on that path of, of listening and making sure we do what's right for, for the greater good. And how do people get a hold of you? Through, like, email? You have a Facebook page? Email, Facebook page. So I have Alderman News? Carl Frankel Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email, um, you know, see Frankel. From the city? Aurora, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's got my, my cell phone is my phone, my work phone. So everybody's got my cell phone number. You go on, you go on the, the city website's on there. Mm-hmm. My cards have it on there. So really not hard. It's not hard getting a hold of me at all. It's just pretty easy. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we've been happy to be uh, sitting down interviewing and talking to Alderman Carl Franco of the Fifth Ward. We appreciate him for his time. And we appreciate all of our listeners, all of our subscribers, and all of our fans out there. We want to say stay tuned because we got a lot of great stuff coming uh, for you. Uh, this Saturday, we're going to be doing a little outside shindig. And when, whenever Carl Franco gets his restaurant, Hopefully he'll let us broadcast from there and show you the food and everything. The veal parm. I know they're going to have veal parm on the menu, so we're going to be uh, checking that out. We'll have everything on the menu. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. That's just a, a little starter. Right, a little starter. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, and with that, we hope that you guys have a blessed, motivated, powerful, and strong day. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Peace. Peace.